Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I talk with Sean McGrath. He is a very young division leader at a successful civil engineering company. And I got to tell you, this guy, he's going to reveal his age in the episode, but he has had a dynamite career for such a young age. And the thing that is really great about it is that it wasn't like a neat A to B straight line. He did a bunch of different things. He made some mistakes. He learned, he pivoted, and now he finds himself at a young age as a division leader in a New York City area civil engineering firm. And what I love about this episode is that it's for civil engineering students that want to succeed, that can learn from him. It's from younger civil engineering professionals that want to learn from Sean and advance their career. And it's for experienced civil engineering professionals and executives who can share this with their teams and help to spur on growth. And that's kind of what this podcast is all about. So before we get into the conversation with Sean, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. They are helping tomorrow's leaders achieve licensure exam success. And just be sure to make sure you listen up at the end of this podcast to hear my advice on a super practical way you can advance in your career. Thanks to PPI, I also have an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast. So stay tuned for that. I also want to take a moment to tell you about our new engineering management accelerator workshop, which you can find at engineertomanager.com. For almost 10 years now, we've been trying to figure out how to help engineers become more effective engineering managers. And believe me, I know it's not an easy job, but I think we finally figured out how. And it comes down to three words intensity, focus, and accountability. And if you enroll in our Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, you will experience all three. I'm going to tell you more about the program at the end of the show as we are enrolling engineers for our next session right now at engineertomanager.com. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode for our civil engineering conversation, just so you get to know Sean a little bit more before we dive into the conversation. Sean McGrath is a licensed New York State professional engineer and certified construction manager with 14 plus years of engineering and construction experience, including structural engineering design and analysis, flood management and flood control design, foundation design for residential house raising and flood zones, construction management, project superintendent, civil engineering design and analysis, wastewater project management. So the bottom line is, is he's done a lot of things in 14 plus years. But again, he finds himself in a really good position for a really young professional. And we're going to dive in right now. And he's going to give us five specific things that are important to the success that he's had. Let's do it. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for our civil engineering conversation of the week. And in today's episode, I'm really happy to get to talk with Sean McGrath. Sean is a professional engineer with DMB Engineers and Architects. Sean, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. So, Sean, I've already introduced you to our listeners, of course, but kind of in your own words, why don't you talk to us a little bit about 
your career path to date and what you're doing today? It's been uh, quite a winding road for me uh, to get to where I am today. My undergraduate degree was in physics, not engineering. So I really wasn't sure what direction my career was going to go when I first got into the field. I took an internship with a civil engineering company on Long Island and uh, worked in the laboratory for them, doing laboratory testing for the first two years of my career. Concrete, asphalt, soils, basically everything. And just kind of learned the nuts and bolts from the other engineers and from the other laboratory testers that I worked with. And um, kind of found out what I really enjoyed about the field and decided to pursue a master's degree in structural engineering through that path. So you kind of learned on the job, then you got the master's degree. Where did you go from there in terms of projects and how you progressed? So once I completed my master's degree in structural engineering, I went to into a pure design company. Walter P. Moore was the name of the firm I worked with. They were a Houston-based company, but I worked out of their Tampa office for a year and then uh, the Las Vegas office for two years, primarily working on, in Tampa, mostly high school and elementary school design projects and then some inspection work. But then when I got to Las Vegas, I had the opportunity to work on much bigger projects, one of them being a very large casino and resort out on the, uh, that was going to be constructed on, on the Strip. So, and now today, what's your position? So uh, today I'm the division manager of uh, structural engineering for D&B Engineers and Architects. Our company is roughly about 300 people between engineers, architects, construction managers, scientists, and support staff, inspectors, field work. We have a very large and diverse group of professionals. And if you don't mind me asking, Sean, how old are you? I'm uh, 38. All right. So Sean is 38 years old. He's had a, a lot of experience already, and he's now a division leader. And first of all, I think congratulations for being at this level at your age. I think it's great. Thank you, Anthony. So, and that's the reason that I reached out to Sean, because I think when you see someone that's young that excels like this, there's something that we can all learn from Sean and we can talk through with him some of the things that helped him to get to where he is today. And that's specifically what we're going to do. And Sean and I spoke a bit before the interview and Sean identified five specific things that we want to talk about. And the first one of those is internships. Sean, talk about internships and how they've helped you. They were, for me, they were crucial. I didn't really think too much about it as a student at first. You know, my first two years in between summers, I grew up playing a lot of hockey. So my summers were usually spent traveling, playing hockey or, or running hockey camps. And then when it came time for junior year, you know, the idea of what to do come following college started really to, to weigh on my mind. And I realized that, you know, an internship was going to be critical, really to just get a feel for what I liked and, and kind of more importantly, what I may not like about the field. So I had a, a colleague from the, the hockey league I was involved in, and he got me an internship with a civil engineering company. And I fell in love with it from day one. You know, I was out in the field. I was digging test holes. We were taking the results of, of our testing in the field, giving it to the engineers. And then they were doing their road or foundation design based on the results we were giving them. So I was really getting to see kind of the nuts and bolts, really the reality of engineering from the testing all the way through the construction. As you heard Sean say there, he got that job through a connection that he made or through a friend or someone through his hockey league, which was a big part. And we're going to talk about networking a little bit later, but just real quickly, I'll share a similar story for me. When I was in high school, I had a friend whose father owned a civil engineering firm, a small firm. And actually my mom one summer was like, I'm going to call his dad and you want to be an engineer, you should work with him. And I ended up going to work. And similar story as Sean, I was out in the field, I was doing surveying, I was holding a rod. 
but I got to see the projects being built and I got to see them from kind of the ground up. And then when I got into the office to do design work, it just made things so much easier for me because I had already seen how they were being built. And so definitely internships are super valuable. And again, both Sean and I had the same experience where we had a contact or a friend that we were able to get into the industry, which is really important. Sean, the next point that you've identified is different career paths. Talk about that. So again, like I mentioned earlier, it's been a long winding road for me. So on top of the experience I've had with the engineering field, I've also worked in construction as a superintendent and field engineer for general contractors. And that's been in between some of my design experience. When I was in Las Vegas, after working on design project, uh, it was kind of during the economic downturn. So the project we had been designing kind of got mothballed. And it was a large project that was carrying our office for quite a bit of time. And as that really started to slow down, I really enjoyed working on that project. And I wanted to kind of take the next step for me, which was to maybe see a project like that get built. So I looked in the area, looked at at contractors that were hiring, and I got on board with a a general contractor that was building at the time the largest private project uh, in the United States, which was a a large casino hotel on the Strip, Aria and City Center. I wound up being part of that construction team through completion. And uh, it was just a tremendous experience because then you're seeing the real construction. You're seeing it every day. You're working with the engineers. You're working with inspectors, the management, you know, people pushing to get the doors open on time so that, you know, they can start bringing money in. So there's a lot of pressure. There's also a lot of coordination, 24-hour day project, constantly running and chasing down answers. That was a very exciting and challenging part of my career. I really like that point a lot because... There's a lot of civil engineers that contact me through our website and they have this questions like, feel like I'm jumping around in my career, I'm doing different things. And I think Sean's experience or his achievement being a division leader with a very big reputable firm in a big city at 38 years old and what he's explaining to us here and that he jumped around, he did a whole bunch of different things. It basically just tells you that there isn't like a straight A to B career path in civil engineering that you have to take to become a division leader or a partner and owner in a firm. It's okay to do different things because there's just a lot of aspects to civil engineering and each one of them can teach you something different. And so I just really want to reemphasize this point just because you may have hopped around in civil engineering and you're still maybe not sure where you want to go if you're in your 20s or even young 30s. It doesn't mean that you're not on a good path and it doesn't mean that you're not going to find a lot of success. It just may be part of your path That leads us actually right into the next point, which is stumbling blocks and learning from them. Sean, talk about that a little bit. I've been in positions where I've loved jobs that I've had, and I've been in positions where I didn't, where I had positions where things got boring or things, you know, underwhelming, where you were kind of looking for work or you weren't quite challenged up to what you felt like you can achieve and perform. And you start asking yourself the questions of, you know, am I in the right field? Did I make the right choice in taking this career path? It makes you really be aware of everything that you're interested in and that you like and that you don't like. That's been, I think, a real challenge for me throughout my career is to kind of reevaluate every few months or every year. Am I happy? Am I doing work that I enjoy? Am I helping people? And if the answer to those questions is no, I should make a change. Typically, that's, you know, when those questions started to come up, I would reevaluate where I was and think about making a change to another path within the civil engineering career. Sean, is there an experience that you can maybe recall or something that you remember 
whether it was like a position that kind of you became disinterested in or it was a mistake or something that you learned from? Is there anything that maybe when you reflect back on your career, something that jumps out at you that you remember as kind of like a main point or a main transition point? When I left Las Vegas at the end of 2009, I kind of moved back and I transitioned from, I was still with the general contractor that I'd been working with, but I transitioned from the building to the, like the heavy civil portion of their company. Spent some time working at the World Trade Center during the rebuild, you know, when they were still in the pit, rebuilding the foundations of uh, what would become the Freedom Tower and you know, the new transportation hub. And then I was moved up to uh, another project up in the Tappan Zee Bridge the rehabilitation of the existing bridge before the new bridge started to get built. I had the experience of doing some graveyard shifts, working overnight. You know, you're climbing some of the stringers underneath the bridge in the middle of the night. There were a few big accidents on the bridge that I saw. And I kind of took a step back and said, you know, is this this really where I see myself going, is doing this type of, of real heavy civil work after having the experience of getting a master's degree in structural engineering. I guess I kind of took a hard look at, at you know, my career path there where it had been and then where it was going. And at that point, I decided, you know, I really, really want to go back into design and just kind of, you know, made the decision almost in the middle of the night, kind of said, this is not working for me. I really need to change. I ended up with D&B back in 2010 and here today. Again, it just goes to show you that these transition points, these different things that you're trying in your career is where you're really going to figure out like what you're meant to be doing or what you're passionate about or what is the most comfortable for you. And you're not necessarily going to get there without going through them. So don't get discouraged if you feel like you're in a job that's not going anywhere, because really that might be a very important part of your career path, just as Sean just gave us an example where he kind of just, like he said, in the middle of the night, he was in this position and it just made him realize that he wanted to get into design. And the same thing happened for me. When I started my career as a civil engineer, I thought I wanted to be doing bridges. I said, I want to do bridge engineering. It sounds really interesting to me. And lucky enough, I worked for a firm that had multiple disciplines and I worked in the bridge department a little bit and it, it just wasn't for me. I wasn't into it. But then I eventually found my way into the kind of site work, site civil design work, and I really liked it. I ended up staying in that and that's where I ended up doing most of my work there. So you're going to go through these things. My recommendation is to actually try to go through these things, try different things, because if you pick one thing and you kind of like it, you don't really know what else is out there. And if you have the opportunity to work for some different firms or firms with different disciplines, it's definitely something that I would recommend doing. So with that, you're going to stumble, you're going to try to learn a lot and maybe hit some roadblocks. And one of the things that could be very helpful with that is our next point, which is a mentor finding the right mentor. Sean, can you talk about that a little bit? I know that's important to you. It's a good transition because when I ended up in with d and in 2010, the gentleman who uh, interviewed me was um, you know, my current boss. He was senior vice president. We talked on the phone, set up the interview. And basically, like the moment we met, it's kind of like it's, it's one of those people you almost feel like you knew like for a long time in your life. He was an avid runner, similar to me. I love distance running. You know, he lived the town away from where I grew up. Not only did he love the civil engineering field, but he also liked other things that, that I had interest in. Like uh, he was a home inspector on the side and, you know, did something where he just helped out people in his neighborhood and was able to provide this other service completely different from what he did in his day job. We were both thinkers. We were both people who just loved to talk about, you know, how we can make our projects better and what we do when we get into a project, you know, the thought process. And, and not just doing the job, but thinking about the job and how we can make our business better. And he became my mentor and still is to this day. So this is your direct supervisor, right? That's correct. 
that's great. And I think the fact that you obviously hit it off with him and you guys had a lot of things in common, which worked really well. So what would you say as far as a mentor goes? He's your supervisor. So obviously you work with him in that regard. Is the mentoring different? Like, do you take time out? Do you sit with them? Do you talk about your career path? How does that look? Absolutely. So early on in the career, when he was, again, he was my direct supervisor, but also the mentor. A big thing for us was uh, going for walks at lunch. We'd get outside and uh, get some fresh air. We'd walk for an hour. And, you know, we talk about basically everything except work. As a home inspector, we'd go in a local neighborhood. We'd look at homes. And he'd point out things about homes that are unique, you know, like certain things with a roof or with a chimney or with a facade or how a house ages depending on direction it's facing, whether it's towards the sun, away from the sun. And these are just like a snippet of what we talked about. We talked about running. We talked about my career path, where I got to, how I got to where I was and where he got to where he was. You know, he was worked for the EPA in the early 70s when it was first created. And he was on the ground floor at that at, during that environmental movement. So he's very passionate about the environment. And that's, you know, again, something that's important to me too. So again, we share a lot of interests. And even as a supervisor, he still was able to remove himself from that and really work to encourage me to make my career path better and wherever it was going to take me, whether it was with D&D or it was with, you know, another company. It's really important to the listeners, I think, that you said all that, because one of the things that I always get questioned by from civil engineers and really all engineers is they love this idea of having a mentor. However, a lot of people say like people are too busy today and they don't take the time and it's hard to get someone to mentor. And in addition to that, people say that their supervisor is their mentor, like you're saying, but they're just saying that because they're their supervisor. So in other words, they don't really take specific time out to talk about their career. So it's great to hear that. Number one, your supervisor is obviously interested in your development and he's taken the time to spend some time with you on that. And it's great to know that he's allowed you to carve out this time where the two of you can talk on those types of things. And for those of you listening to this, I think this is a great way to go about finding a mentor because your supervisor is obviously someone that you have easy access to and you're around them a lot of the time. I think the key thing, like Sean said, is to isolate some time and lunch is the best way to do it. Isolate some time where you can talk to them and you can ask them about your career. And I think the key thing is just to ask because I'm sure that a lot of your supervisors will help you if you just ask. And don't be afraid to ask and don't think that you have to just squeeze it in during work hours. Just say, hey, can we grab a bite to eat? Or, you know, grab a drink after work one night. I want to just talk to you about my career path and some of the things I'm looking to do and ask some questions. And I think a lot of people would be willing to do that. Do you agree, Sean? Absolutely. I mean, that was a huge learning process for me. And when younger engineers now in our company come to me with questions or just anything, for me, my door is always open. You really want to make yourself available so that if one of a younger engineer finds in me what I found in my boss as a mentor, I feel like that would be phenomenal to be able to give that back to someone else as an engineer, as a friend, as whatever they need just to either get past stumbling blocks or maybe carve out a piece of their career that they're not sure is going to happen yet. Yeah, that's great. And that's exactly what that does. I mean, the fact that Sean's supervisor was giving him that time has now made Sean interested in giving that time back to someone else. And I think that's how we can really cultivate this mindset in the industry of helping younger professionals succeed. And that's exactly why I wanted to have Sean come on to talk about some of these points. All right. So Sean, the last point that we have on here is networking. Talk about networking. Especially in our industry, Anthony, networking is tremendous. We have seminars where we have to get our PDHs and we have to keep up with them. And we kind of feel, well, we have to go get them. So we might as well show up and find something that's interesting. And you go to these events 
and you're with other professionals, like-minded professionals, they're not just there for the PDHs, they're there because they're interested in the subject. And these particular, like whether it's a conference or a learning PDH seminar, they're great places to meet like-minded people that work on other projects with you or get some insight on the way they look at their design projects or their type of projects they're working on. It could lead to new business enterprises, it could lead to new work, or it could just lead to friendships because you're meeting people that do the similar type of work that you do every day. I think that there's so many reasons that networking is important for civil engineers. And really, the funny thing is all of the stuff that Sean said is true, especially when it comes to your career. Networking, you can find mentors. Eventually, when you start doing business development, you can find other contacts that you can either work on with projects or new clients. But also at the end of the day, which Sean hit on is this idea of enjoyment, fulfillment, being happy in your career. When you start to meet people in your industry, you make friends, you join associations and different chapters and you're meeting people. I mean, you want to also have fun. And I think the more people that you get to know and you build up friends in the industry, it kind of makes the job more fulfilling, which is a a big, big part of it. So just to kind of summarize this up and then we'll jump into our hot seat segment and we'll pepper uh, Sean with a few last questions. We talked about five points and really they lay out really nicely kind of in the progression of your career. Internships as a really important kind of foundation to getting your foot in the door and understanding the industry and seeing maybe the different types of work in the industry. Then going to number two, which is different career paths, which really will happen probably for every civil engineer in the beginning of their careers, looking at different things, trying different jobs, and it could go all the way into your 30s and maybe beyond. I mean, people do different things sometimes for long periods of time. They kind of thrive on that. And then item three is stumbling blocks and learning from them because, of course, if you're going through different career paths, you're working with different companies, different clients, things are going to happen. You're going to make mistakes, but you're going to learn from them and maybe pivot into something else. Then we talked about finding a mentor. Sean gave a great example of his own supervisor who takes the time out where they can get out of the office and has helped him tremendously in his just career path and his learning. And that's something I recommend everyone try to do. And then we just talked about networking last. And in my opinion, with networking, it's something you should do from day one in your career. Meet people, get out there and network because it's only going to help you. So we're going to take a very quick break and then we're going to come back with Sean and we're going to finish up our CE Hot Seat segment. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. Now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment in which today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. One of the biggest pieces of advice I can provide to engineers is to get your professional license as early as possible. It's a practical way to advance your career, earn more money, and set yourself apart. To learn more about the exams, including invaluable exam tips, check out PPI's resource centers for the FE and PE exams. It's a one-stop hub for all the information you need to register, prepare for, and ultimately pass your exam. Visit ppitopass.com forward slash resources to learn more. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash resources. And if you need exam prep materials, use promo code TECH on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code TECH, T-E-C-C, stands for the Engineering Career Coach. All right, we're back with Sean McGrath, and we're going to pepper him on a couple last questions. You ready, Sean? Absolutely. All right. First question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime ritual, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success as a professional? Anthony, I'm a a prodigious note taker. When I started in my career, one of the first things that 
my first supervisor in the lab gave me was a little field notebook, you know, one of the little orange field notebooks that you carry around. I didn't really think much about it. I just write down, you know, the daily notes in there. And then little by little, I started finding myself just kind of writing everything down that, that happened during the day, you know, the phone calls that you need to make, reminders for what's going to happen a day or two from now or a week from now. I started filling out book after book after book. And I have probably at this point now a collection of 25 or 30 or more little orange field books and notebooks for the office. And basically, when I get to the office every day in the morning, I'm usually at the office between 6.30 and 7. I make my list for the day. What needs to get done? What are my critical things? What are the first easy things that I can just check off the list? And what are the more complex tasks for planning for the week or for the month or for the next couple months? Once a week, my structural engineering team, we have a conference call because we all kind of bounce around quite a bit. And it kind of gets everyone on the same page. You know, who needs help? Who's overwhelmed? Who's underwhelmed? Who needs some more work? Who needs to collaborate? Who's got questions on design? And having, you know, a nice kind of written out agenda that I put together for that meeting is incredibly helpful because it just keeps us organized. It keeps us on point and it kind of gets us to get through the conference call quickly, but also efficiently. Now, when you do this, Sean, every morning, is this, it sounds like you're handwriting it down? Yeah, it's all handwritten. It's uh, like a spiral bound notebook. It's just page after page of, of my notes. And then as things get done, they get checked off or highlighted. And what is the basis for like how you create the list? Just looking at emails and stuff and like what's going on and figuring out what's the key things, the drivers for the day? Yeah, it's kind of a review of emails that came in from the day before. I pretty much spend an equal amount of time in the field and in the office, whether I'm doing site visits or meeting with clients. I do a lot of inspections. I do uh, New York City special inspection work. I run our division out of DNB for uh, special inspections. There's a lot of field time I need to be in the field. So that when I'm in the office, I have to be even more efficient. You know, I have to make sure that I'm basically catching up with everything and nothing's kind of falling behind, falling through the cracks. All right, Sean, what is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you have found to be extremely helpful in your professional and or personal development? You know, I'm a fiction reader, but in terms of a regular book, you know, an engineering book, there's been uh, a few like kind of design books that uh, I always kind of go back to. And one of my favorite is um, Invention by Design by uh, Petrosky. Basically gives you insight into, I think, really the way thinkers and engineers think and the process of looking at not only successes, but really failure. I'm a big fan of investigating when things go wrong, you know, whether it's just in engineering or just in the real world. How do we make things better? And through history, things have, have become better through failure, right? We watch something that goes wrong and we learn how to make it better. And I think that book, I read that, I think, is at a very young age in my engineering career. It stays on a shelf in my office, and every once in a while at lunchtime, I'll pick it up and flip through it. All right. So I've got one final question, which we call the critical civil engineering career elevator advice question, meaning that if you got into an elevator with a young civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give him or her career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? Something we touched upon earlier in the interview here was don't be afraid to bounce around. Don't be afraid to try different career paths, especially early in your career. If you do two years in design, maybe get out in the field, be a field engineer for a year or six months. You know, pick a project that's relevant or that you're interested in, whether it's if you're in wastewater, get out to a treatment plant. If you're in high-rise design, try to link up with a contractor or maybe a design build firm where you can get out in the field and see the everyday challenges of what we're designing. I think until you've been in the field, it's very difficult to become a really good designer until you see the way things work and how 
the day-to-day guys and girls in the field with the workers, how they actually perform, how things go together, how the pieces of the puzzle go together. Because you could make have the best design on paper, but if it doesn't work in the field, it's kind of useless. All right, Sean. So before I let you go, one last thing. I know I introduced you. We talked a lot about your career. Real quickly, maybe you could just talk about your firm as far as the services you offer. I know you guys are in the New York City area, correct? Of course, yes. We're based out of Woodbury, out on Long Island, but uh, we perform services all throughout the uh, Nassau, Suffolk, and the metropolitan New York City area, as well as Connecticut, New Jersey. We've recently opened a small satellite office in Miami, and we're starting to expand down to Miami to do some work down there as well. Now, is it primarily structural or different things? By history, we're a wastewater firm. So we've you know worked with the DEP for numerous years. We've also have a solid waste, hazardous waste division. We recently acquired a small MEP firm that's just focused on chemical, electrical, plumbing, and HVAC design. We have our architects in our White Plains office that have really grown by leaps and bounds over the past couple of years. So we really are a truly multidisciplinary engineering firm. And it's great to hear that the firm's growing, you're obviously growing, and we're just thrilled that you took some time to be able to come on and share your experience with us on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you so much, Sean. Oh, Anthony, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sean as much as I did. Before we sign off, remember earlier in the show, I mentioned how we've created a new program called the Engineering Management Accelerator Workshop, which combines intensity, focus, and accountability. Well, it's intense because it's a five-week online program, mostly done outside of working hours. You'll focus because you'll be put on a team with other engineers. You'll be given an engineering management problem, and then we'll give you five one-hour skill-building calls on skills like communication, networking, productivity, leadership, and five open coaching calls. And we'll put you in a private forum with your team and a coach, and you'll sprint, and you will find a solution. Then for accountability, you will present your solution at the end of the program to our coaches and also to your company once you are finished. This is not only accountability, but it's a huge opportunity because the problems that we give you may generate real solutions for your company while helping you become an effective engineering manager and improving your speaking skills. I have met way too many engineers that haven't been able to make that engineer to manager leap, and this program is built to change that. So please visit engineertomanager.com to enroll for our next session. Spots are limited and we sold out our last session in just a few days. Also on the website, you will see a tab for company reimbursement where you can download a one-page PDF and some text that you can send with it to your boss in an email and you'll probably get reimbursed. 90% of our students have. Again, that's engineertomanager.com. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. 
Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.